0: To mind crime liberty show with me, Swin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today, we discuss who is the freer man the master, the slave, the boss, or the employee? Tim
1: Thaddeus Russell is the originator of this theory, roughly. And I mean, you get this also in Foucault, you get this probably enough in Aristotle as well um, in that there are people or men who, who aren't in the ruling class who might benefit or have a kind of freedom. Um, that isn't exactly uh, the same, or actually have a better lot by not having any of responsibility here. Now, Thaddeus Russell wrote this chapter called "The Freedom of Slavery" in his book Ren- *Renegade's History of the United States*, and this theory sort of always struck with me because how clear it is. And Thaddeus Russell has gotten a lot of pushback for this pushback um, on this theory because he points out like that um. You know That his whole rough theory in that book is that, like slaves, as well as for that matter, Jews, uh, Irish, and others created modern uh, culture and they were afforded the kind of uh, freedom, so to speak, that those the wannabe parts of the ruling class and the ruling class itself and the elites were not afforded because they were sort of had to be uptight and so forth. Cornel West, even in a sense. I've found another interview. In a sense, agrees with this, even amongst the American black population. Like you have the people that are wearing the suits and ties, who get called Uncle Toms, and then you have the people who uh, wear the basketball shorts and the things like that. So there is a sort of a demarcation between those two groups here. Um, so I mean, so to, to, that's sort of in a sort of broad cultural sense here, like you know that that slaves and that for matter wage slaves and employees you know, in our episode on is wage slavery slavery? Now you got some pushback from that, which is fine. But, um, you know, the Kevin Carson argument goes basically something like this, and I think Murray Rothbard would somewhat agree with it too, that roughly certain businesses get, big businesses in particular, get um privileges from the state. And because of that, you know, it's harder to be a petite bourgeois or a sort of small tradesman. So in that sense... You know, if slavery is a lack thereof choices, and you can't run away, or can't run away fairly easily in the water-blocking sense, a large amount of employees are effectively slaves in some sense. Although, and this is where I would think it gets interesting, is that that and this is this is what sort of the heart of the argument, which which is that um, these the employees do not get held responsible as much as upper management and ownerships and masters. So this is this is the link between slavery, okay, in the sort of classical sense and in the Chattel sense, and as well as modern day, you know, what we'll call corporate slavery or wage slavery here. So, you know, the boss is held to a higher standard here. And this is true of Christianity here. You know, you had the line, I think it's in the book of James, where you know, the teachers are gonna be held to a higher standard. You know, you shouldn't be careful about being a teacher. And I think in general you know, you hold the boss, you hold the manager, you hold the ruling class to higher standard than the peasants and the people at the bottom. Um, which goes back into the third Thaddeus Russell thesis here, or the bottom classes are afforded the kind of freedom here, which the upper classes or the wannabe ones aren't. Now, the middle class remains to be the hard problem to, to do. I guess the question there is trajectory, which is upwardly mobile or downwardly mobile. And so forth here, but that that sort of sets the broad layout of you know the the theory here and that it my own personal experience not to get not to make too much too much about that and I don't really want to go too much into it but like one of the different Tom woods brings this up too you know, that like if you grow up in a household where your dad's a boss or a business owner what you find is you you're, you're, you're um uh like unlike if you're your parents are employees the employee parents will complain about the boss, but the boss parents will complain about their employees. Um, um, So, and if a business, you know, and this, this goes back to like different types of things. Like, so like one of the things that socialists, I think, miss, and this is what makes, separates the left from the right, is scarcity here. So there is some amount of work that probably has to be done to have an advanced industrial society or even any society um so like things don't just grow on trees so some amount of work is necessary and like and that work requires discipline and management to do either self-management or you have to manage others or get managed one of the others order takers order followers here and you can again go back into sort of cursing like um theories about like you know who you know what would an ideal society you know is it the state or is it the corporation which is worse and so forth here but Broadly, and I think this separates the left and the right, is there some kind of authority you know, that certain organizations have some kind of authority other organizations don't have that kind of, as much authority. But, and Thaddeus Russell, to go back to Thaddeus Russell theory, would point out that like workers, like that socialism properly done requires a lot of meetings. And this this is what he brought up to Michael Brooks in, in one of his interviews here, that like your version of socialism basically requires the workers you know, like we'll overthrow the bosses, but they'll become all the bosses. And you get this is like the, the back. you know, no, no one wants to. Lots of people don't want to be bosses because they don't want to go to meetings, which goes back to the point that I brought about, like my anecdote as well, as Tom Woods' anecdote is that, you know, like I'm not I'm not a boss worshiper at all here, but there is a kind of responsibility that lower employees don't have in general. You know, so like when 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 Bernie Madoff gets investigated. You know, you're not going after a secretary or you know the plumbers or janitors. You're going after the higher things. And again, when societies get occupied, you know, oftentimes the lower members are basically let off the hook. The upper management and elites, they they'll get decapitated or something like that. Um, so that that's the broad outlook here. You know, the the, and my question is here: Is the Thaddeus Russell thesis? correct? Or at least, does it have some truth to it? Now, there is a lot of wrinkles into it, like in the middle class is a wrinkle here. So Swithin, what do you make of it? Do you think it's, you know, plausible that the lower classes and have a kind of, uh, which includes obviously slaves, wage slaves, and corporate, you know, certain corporate wage slaves? Um, and what do you make of it? Would you say the yeoman-type contractors are freer? I mean, this is the Jefferson line that yeoman farmers are the salt of the earth. But they in a sense have both problems. They have to, you know, manage themselves. Um, um, and they have to, you know, so like there's 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 burdens of being self-manager here. Like so if you make mistakes, you know, you could face ruin here. And that's that's something that employees now the company company could go out of business. But that's something that lower classes, you know, they don't have that kind of responsibility. Like, so what's worth and what do you overall, what do you make of my uh outline of this theory
0: i think that there's a decent level of truth um truth to it although i think first and foremost we need to sort of um define a little bit you know what kind of freedom we're talking about i think here the easiest way to think about it and i think this is in the way in which thaddeus russell meant it, was basically working less and having less responsibility such that You had less cares and you could kind of do more what you wanted to do and by want i mean um things that you wouldn't need to be paid to do um or things that you don't need to do to stay alive you know it it gives you more of this uh this time and then additionally um you maybe don't have the responsibility so you're not anxious in your time but you are sort of quote-unquote taking off such as oh no i really should be going over the tax accounts again because oh no, we've got an audit coming up or something like that. Um, so I, I think that's broadly speaking. I think how Russell is using the term, and I think, given that use of the term, I think to some extent that's correct. Um, I mean, social obligations for one math for one thing. Um, you know, the higher you are on the ladder, the more responsibility you have. I mean, also the number of hours you work is much higher. Um, I mean, if you're on a board of a large organization you're gonna be working serious, serious, serious number of hours uh, each week, significantly more than any of your employees will, but well, lower down, that is. Um, and so you have significantly less time to do things that you might otherwise do. Um, that's essentially, I mean, Elon Musk is is well known for working crazy hours, but I think you was just like 60, 70, maybe 80 hours a week. I mean, are doing is working. Now, I suppose you could claim that Elon Musk actually likes doing what he's doing, and so, it's not work, so I mean this is this is always a kind of an issue here is you know what is work, what is not work you know if you're being a musician is doing is touring work and it's like well, it kind of is because it's tiring and you' gotta set up and move and change everywhere um and so uh, to do different performances um but um yeah it's it's certainly the case that um even like low level employees basically what you do you turn up to work. You leave and you come back again. And once you're not at work, you have no care whatsoever because you're not reliant on anything there at all. Managers, for instance, will stay there for longer and they'll have more obligations. Uh, obviously, if you don't do particularly well as an employee, then there's going to be some repercussions for you. But I mean, management can be held responsible for what their workers do. The people are under them. I mean, you have, and I don't know in which circumstances make this works, but there is still in the concepts of law, the idea of vicarious liability, whereby the higher management can be vicar- can be liable for their actions of their uh, underlings. Now, I'm not sure whether this would entirely absolve the underlings of any responsibility at all, but um, it would um, certainly lessen it to some extent. Um, so... I think that that is uh, true. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Christianity because I actually think in a way that Christianity increases the obligations on the lower classes. Um, in the idea that um, a, broadly speaking, moral, ethical existence is expected of all peoples, of all classes, of all people groups, and um, there's um, no um, there's no difference in the requirements uh, of them now. Of course, as you pointed out, the leaders have more obligations, but I think they increase the requirements on the on the lower classes. I mean, this can be clearly more easily seen in sort of more evangel- evangelical Protestantism. Uh, you might want to cite late nineteenth century, uh, and and also actually the impetus behind the progress, the secular progressives, which is well moral improvements. It's like, well, why? Um, I mean, the the modern progressive cannot abide there being the existence of any individual racialists anywhere, even if they're kind of doing their own thing or on the way. You know, they they can't abide that. They have to have central power to make sure that that bad existence is removed and they are morally improved. This is actually an impetus which you could argue is, is similar in certain respects to Christianity in that well, you're expected to everyone's expected to live a moral life. There's, they know. I mean, the classics of. um Argument, say Romans one, uh, everyone knows, uh, um, everybody knows God and what His precepts, and are in like a sense, of, intuitive sense of natural law, and should behave morally. Um, whereas in other cultures, like, well, it's slaves; they can do what they want. they kind of the slaves. You don't expect them to have the same thing, uh, like, same uh, standards of behaviour. Um, so, um, I do think it changes in that respect. But but it is true they will hold the leaders to higher standards. As to who is the most free, which is a question. Clearly, the slave is limited in some respects. He can't go where he wants. That's obviously true. The boss we talked about, and clearly the, the 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 employer has the problem that he has to do what he do his employee set say, uh, employer says. And even as Nassim Taleb has said, employees are essentially uh, forms of slave because you sign his employment contract, but it's basically you do whatever your employer says, otherwise he fires you. That's essentially what happens. Now I know there's employment tribunals and stuff like that, but that's effectively what happens. Um, that well, I mean, you could say it's extreme, but just to make this clear, um, all employ almost all employees do more than they're contractually obligated to do. This is why the unions can engage in work to rule, and that can cause an issue because um, if you say you to finish at say five o'clock and you're on a phone call, you could go, "Oh, sorry, uh, sir." I finish work now. um, I will ring you again tomorrow when I return. That would really mess up a company, but would be something that would be consistent with your employment contract. But that kind of thing typically doesn't happen. And basically it happens a lot. I mean, you would essentially be let go at some point, probably somehow. Um, So the employer has a problem. Um, I would say in general, it's in a way like the independent contractor. I I was agreeing with Jefferson to some extent, the Yeoman Farmer. Farmer. He who's basically self-employed doesn't really employ anybody else. He attends his own um, garden, as it were. Uh, So in the modern sense today, I would say if you're somebody who can work remotely, uh, at least insofar as you don't get all your uh, bank accounts cancelled, maybe you do a Kanye and certain groups might decide to. Uh, close off all your financial assets, or or maybe Justin Trudeau will do the same thing if you're in Canada. But barring stuff like that, if you can remote remotely, you can effectively work anywhere. Um So you can live and work wherever you wish. Um And if you again, you take contracts. What's good about like a short term contract? It's not an employment contract. Is it's clear, your obligations are clear. You know what you're doing, and when you've done it, you don't do anything else. I had a fr- friend of mine who was at my church who who did that. He liked very much being a a freelance quantity surveyor because he knew he wouldn't be obligated with all this additional stuff that'd be required of him as a um, as an employee now clearly those people have the, the the stress as it were of maybe finding a job or their contracts dry up but given the fact that they are sufficiently in demand then they have a lot more freedom they can decide how long they want to work they might decide we'll take this contract I'll take a bit of time off that's fine it's not an issue Obviously you have the issue that you know their their skill level could go down over time and uh and whatever and they're out, out of um the, the scene and things change. But those are the workers who would seem to have the most um freedom. They're not having to uh, to run a business constantly concerned about how that's working or whatever, they're not having uh, concerned about being fired from their job. Because remember, if you're in a job, it's basically having one contract. Like oh you only ever have like any time one person you're working for, and that's like your whole income. Whereas if you're a contractor in a given period of time, you can work with multiple, multiple people. So it doesn't matter if someone leaves, someone else, someone else joins. So fine, it's not an issue. Um So I would say, oh, and also I suppose you could say the, f- the freest individual you could argue is the individual who has no um, family ties or, or fewer family ties in certain respects because then he can kind of do what he wants in the time and he doesn't have any family commitments with children or whatever. Now that doesn't mean that... Th- uh, children etc are are bad or that there isn't a freedom that comes from that in certain sense but if we're going on sort of like obligation then that's that's again something that um one could consider so um yes in general i do think that um that russell's position does make uh, sense in certain respects and it shouldn't be dismissed out dismissed outright
1: question two here, and I will, as usual, sketch my own out, outline somewhat. Um, is everyone capable of being either their own self-owner? We've done an episode, Is Aristotle Right About Slavery? Um, and, you know, accept this broadly, or being the manager of others and, you know, heck, being a manager of a lot of, of people, like let's say, a CEO. To bring up CEOs, I know, I have plenty of criticisms of Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, but you know, and, and I sort of we sort of asked the sketch of outlining this question, of the, our Keith that an episode on can a society without elites exist or something like that. And, you know, it's quite clear to me that, you know, you can you can say that's all socialization, but it's quite clear that you can make you can cut out lines for certain handicapped people. But it's quite clear that there's a big difference between, you know, a person who, you know, between Elon Musk or Bill Gates, for better or for worse, and, you know, many people. You know, so it doesn't seem like everyone's capable of it, or for that matter, wants it. That's another thing about ambition and will and so forth. You know, in this sense, in some ways, I lack, you know, maybe I'm a nihilist in some technical sense, but in some sense, I lack as much will as some people to do certain things just because I view them as maybe that pointless, but not worth worth the huge cost of going through and doing them. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of other people too, um, that you know, there is a certain path at least resistance. become. And this, in this sense, you know, yes, Bezos workers are worked hard, get carpal tunnel, but Be- it, it, but Bezos does work things probably all the time. He probably works more than his employees do. He probably does. Now it's a different type of work. It's not as damaging type of work, and it's not labor. But it's management, and this goes back to the Thaddeus Russell problem with Michael Brooks in that in that in that in that socialism or anarcho syndicalism or classical Marxism involves a lot of worker doing the worker sort of sounds has to take over the boss. Maybe there's a panacea that will be reached where he can fish in the morning and read philosophy in the afternoon. Maybe that of panacea maybe can eventually be reached via technology, but that's not there yet. Maybe maybe it is there. I don't know. I'm skeptical of that. That goes back to the difference between the left and the right. I think scarcity and how much scarcity exists is is one of the central things. But back to the question, you know, you can everybody be either a self owner or a manager of others? You know, and does everyone want to do that? So then take it away. What, what would you answer to this question? I suspect I, I would say no on both accounts. What would you make of this? Well,
0: clearly not. Uh, I mean, people don't. I mean, I don't want to be a boss of people. I think it'd be incredibly annoying having to manage somebody else and being responsible in certain respects for them. Um, I mean, that would just be additional hassle that I don't really want. I mean, and it's clear as well, but I think that people are not the skill set required for managing and running an organization. Most people simply don't have. And they don't have the motivation to do so either. Um I mean, even for getting high up in uh even a situation where you don't really manage people, I mean the differential in ambition is is large, in particular between men and women. Um, I know a pediatrician who um basically said that most of the people he trained were women, but most of them didn't really want to become a consultant. They just wanted to get to a reasonable grade where effectively they could work part-time because they'll have kids eventually and they can earn decent money, but they won't earn like a consultant salary. Um, But all the, pretty much all the guys who were on there were like, well, yeah, I want to be, become a consultant because what's the point of doing it otherwise? So there's a massive sort of sex difference uh, there. um, But just in general ability, I think managing other people and having that ambition to try and organize and stuff just isn't really there. I think an interesting question though is to what extent have people able to run their own affairs as in could everybody be like an independent electrician could everybody be um an independent bricklayer or something and i think um to the extent that they're reasonably skilled maybe i think that is a possibility uh, although the problem would be you've got additional sort of marketing problems so i mean f- uh, the stuff i do I my marketing is kind of done for me by the agencies I effectively work for. So that would be kind of a, a way around it. But then, of course, you need the agencies to exist. Though I suppose you could be an independent agent and that's the only thing you do, which is possible. Uh, you, you you could do that. But one of the problems, especially these days, is if you're going to be a one-man band, um, you've got to be noticed. And I say you can try and contract that out, um, but otherwise you might not get much business. Now, of course, you could always build that up by word of mouth. But that would probably require you doing some work on the side. And also, a lot of people are concerned, a lot of people, even if they could do it, they actually like the security of being employed. One of the issues I have is I can't find anybody who will insure me if I'm ill. So normally, if you're in work, if you become ill, you will get paid, you get sick pay, and and you might get less if it's for a long time, whatever, but you'll get sick pay. Now, the problem with me is I can only get critical illness cover, which is basically, yeah, you're going to die soon, but we'll pay out early. It's like, well, that's kind of not what I want. I kind of want, well, what if I'm ill for two weeks? Can I have some um, some some money coming in? Like, I can't find anybody who will insure me. So even if people are capable, you've got to then take into account to what extent people um, value security and risk. Now, that's going to be contingent on various times and places. But I do think today a lot of people, well, I think it's pretty obvious from um, the response, the sheeple response to coronavirus um, is, oh, govern me harder, daddy, you're giving me harder, you know, make me secure from this evil external threat. Um, so uh, but a lot of people do that. Now, if you didn't have state education or whatever, and welfare, would that be different? I think that would be different to some extent. But the number of people I think who would really want to run a firm—I mean, a lot of people might try, might just give up, because from the sounds of it, the people I know who basically run their own proper businesses—I mean, it's hard work. I mean, a lot of people earn a bit less and have more free time. I mean, this is a big blind spot. I mean, bring up Jeff Bezos and stuff—is a big blind spot of the left in general. I mean, like, even though they're not toiling in the fields. The the bosses do work and the bosses work a lot in most cases as i mentioned before you know the higher you go the more hours you work in general now you can be in certain fields where you can earn a lot and not work much but then you got to be a consultant of some description not medical necessarily but you could be a contractor and stuff but even a firm whatever you're going to be work you're going to be there before your your employees uh turn up and you leave after them you'll get paid more you have high prestige but um you'll have less time uh, and not everybody's going to want that so um yeah i don't think that many people have the disposition to to be uh run other people uh, run a business um i think um people don't think would prefer to have security of somebody else employing them um but i do think a lot of people might have the possibility of um being independent or at least being a partnership with somebody else and so they're not really employee-employer, but they're kind of horizontal federation of, of individuals who are sort of working together. Uh, they may be independent. They won't be responsible of the joint name, but they'll kind of work together and help in some respects. But even then, I think people will trade that for security. So that would be my overall response.
1: The very fact that, um, the very fact that people uh, take those... The very fact that people take those type of uh, deals, trade secu- freedom for security, suggests that the sort of Carsey and I – for that matter, Preston, Chomsky, you know, line that, uh, you know, that the corporations are uh, are in slavery is not entirely true insofar as um, – it's it, if it is slavery, it's voluntary slavery, which then begs the question here of what exactly is freedom? What exactly is slavery? You know, you're set. I mean, this. The scene Taleb goes into this one of his books here. You know that. You know, it, it. If you're, if you're giving out, if you're giving out a tale, now you can argue that you're not really giving up that sort of. You talked about your own risk of like, you know, you, you can't take any sick days. But like, if you're an employee, that's one of the, in theory, benefits you get. Now, whether you actually get that, whether modern work is more precarious than, like, to say the 1950s. That's or whatever. That those are good questions here. Um, but like, like. The very fact that people take this makes me suspectable that it's more voluntary slave. Now, interesting, I think historical things like serfdom and, and other things at the time, you know, many people basically, I you know, this John Gray philosopher wrote a book, uh, "Modernization Commission." I mean, people, modern, certain modern people look back at like serfs, a kind of sneer. Arguably, serfs were quite "quote unquote" happy, whether they were or not. It's that's. Good. It begs the question of, over what is freedom again. So the very fact that people, you know, take all these deals and like are given the other options, um, ask the question. Now, of course, you could always say, you know, there's certain factors that, you know, and this goes back to like, you know, it's hard to be a petite bourgeois businessman because the state makes it such, and that that very well might be in the case. It is the case, arguably. But you know, you, you also have to ask the, why do those things exist here. You know, maybe it's the progressive state that created all these barriers to create to, to uh do things like the FDA, various handicapped acts, and so forth. We've touched themes, themes on other episodes. I guess the real view of freedom is like the trust fund baby or the UBI person. But See, this is where Kant can be used against the left. You know, Kant has his categorical imperative. You have to sort of imagine everyone acting that way. Well, in this sense, not everyone can be... You know, the son of of a uh, you know a rich person, or the or a UBI person here again. Maybe technology one day will get us there, or maybe it's already there and it's just prevented and, and so forth. You know, that's a sort of David Graeber argument here, but um, you know, not everyone can do that because like, and this sort of showed up in COVID here. Like, the necessary workers had to continue going out and doing things. The UPS drivers, the fish, the fish, you know, the, the people who sort the fish, the you know, the people who uh. Pick up the garbage. All these tasks are still yet to be automated, or haven't been automated, or can't be automated. They still have to be done. Someone has to do them, and you know those people have to go out and do them. You know, so so not everyone can be a uh, not everyone can be a trust fund baby, or for that matter, UBI and things like UBI. Again, and this is where Foucault kicks in. This is Daddy Trussell, one of his thinker mentors. And again, there's a right wing Foucault and there's a left wing Foucault. Uh, I like the right wing Foucault. One of the things he points out about welfare is welfare, in a sense, is an olive branch, but in also sense, it's a way to control people. Like so, like state housing, you know, it's a sense a way to control people. It, it infantilizes them, you know. It sort of demutes their expectations and so forth. You know, like you know, if you, if you get into state housing or state welfare. You know, you basically become like a, a video game incel cell e character, in a sense. Now, again, I don't know, you're probably not really a parasite of a capital P based on your living standards. But, but still, in a sense, welfare and UBI come with problems that aren't fully fleshed out, partly because, well, we haven't done it on a large scale, but to the extent that we've done it in minor scales, You know, it is true that the welfare destroyed the power for the family in the lower classes, and particularly the blacks, as well as the whites, too. You know, so there are baggage that comes with UBI. There are baggage that comes with, for that matter, trust funds for kids as well that don't fully get fleshed out. Now, there is a kind of freedom that that gives, but what kind of freedom is that? So maybe that's a fifth category that we're missing, but that fifth category I don't think exists in large scale. And whether it can exist in the future is a good question. What do you make of that line of analysis, Swithin? You know, I mean I could ask like a question of like what is the most desirable thing? Which is my third question here, the document I prepared preparing for this. But like it seems like you want to have all the benefits, no responsibilities would be the ideal thing. But like what 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 would that would what would that even entail here? Swithin, so what, what do you make of that?
0: Well I think you're right. The the situation where you have no responsibilities or whatever is is essentially a situation where you have you're, uh, you inherit vast waves of money or you have a UBI situation, uh, where you have zero obligations, uh, of any description really to anybody or anybody, you don't need to work you can do what you want. But as you point out, I mean, this is somewhat of an infantilizing uh, situation. So, um, is it really that, uh, having no obligations is freeing or is work freeing? You know, uh, shall work set you free? You know does that actually um is that actually a good is that freedom in a sense and then this is kind of i think really um i mentioned before freedom is uh, such a plastic term i very loathe to use it now because it's so ambiguous uh and i think a lot of the time when people use the term freedom what they mean is like a flourishing a good life and would it be a good life if you did nothing and you had no obligations well probably not i used to do this thought experiment um when i was working elsewhere with some kids and it was what i tended to find is that people just ended up doing like a levels which was basically high school like 16 to 18 um in the uk and they did them because well everybody else did them and that was the kind of thing and then there was no real direction in what they were doing it and so what i would say is you know well um, where do you want to be what do you want to do by the time you're like 40 um you know what you you kind of want your life to like and then i gave him another question it's like well if you're like a multi-billionaire, what would you use your time for? I mean, would you just sit back and play computer games all the time or would you just go and play sports or would you do something else? And a lot of the time, they, they would try to find things they thought were somewhat meaningful to do and that would give them a sense of purpose. And so actually, no, just sort of playing games and stuff doesn't really do that. Although I suppose you could argue that people who are like streamers or whatever do actually get that because in the sense they're kind of creating And I think this is the conclusion I came to discussing that kind of thing with them, is that humans to be feel like they are doing something of meaning uh, and having value. They need to create something. I mean, an employee creates value for his employer and he seems to make some, um, he seems to have some worth. And and so I think um, what people want to do to somebody is to do things that they find are meaningful. Uh, and those people who just play games and become the incel type, I mean, they don't particularly like their life. They might like it originally, but then they're kind of, like, stuck. Um, so in that sense, obviously, the 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 slave is unfree, in a sense, is because of the slave cannot become, as it were, the master of himself. Can't decide what to do, doesn't have the... Oh, interesting thing, the slave cannot develop wisdom in the same sense. He cannot be the wise decision maker of his own life, of what to do and how to dis- devote his time, etc., uh, and do endeavors that he thinks are valuable. You know, he has to do what his master tells him to do. Now, of course, in principle, the master could give him a lot of freedom to decide what he does for himself, which, of course, is possible. Um, but um, I think that, as it were, is one of the probably the strongest arguments as to why slavery is unfree. Um, because in many cases, uh, people people's objections to slavery are kind of lame because you go, well, okay, what if, you know, your slave master treated you very well, gave you a decent, like, uh, job, uh, give you good living conditions or whatever, but he won't let you leave? You know, how bad would that be? And then, because then people are kind of like, well, because what they always focus on is like, as it were, Low, low status slavery. Um, I was on a side with that, actually, uh, which is interesting. Game of Thrones at one point. Um, the there was a, some of the former slaves wanted to be changed a law so they could be re-enslaved because they had good social status and worked as tutors and stuff for aristocratic houses and wanted uh, slavery to be reinstated. Um, now. Whether or not they could do that on a contractual basis is another question, but at least it was interesting that the uh, the slaves might want sort of slavery back, as it were, because it was actually better for them in certain respects. Um, but the fact that they couldn't leave I mean, it means that, the, as I say, they, they lack that kind of mastery, um, which is interesting. That might be an argument against sort of perpetual contracts of certain types. Uh, which then actually goes in most of voluntary slavery. That of course Walter Block always raises his head as to whether you can sign the indefinite voluntary slave contract and have the um, uh, the master enforce it by force. Uh, so um, I think I've answered your question, although I've touched on some other things.
1: Yes, we'll probably wrap it up shortly here, but I want to hit on one final point, and I think this is, I think the I think the question of over freedom. You you say you don't like using that word here, and I think that's that's fine in in. On one level, it's fine. On another level, it's not fine. Because, you know, we can't... We, we, I, I don't want to continuously keep conceding words. Maybe not to the enemy, or at least to the abyss, at minimum. Like, just, you know, all these words are meaningless. So you have to, you know, keep terming new toys. In a sense, libertarian was Rothbard's word that he stole... But in the sense, you know, judging from Reason Magazine or Joe Jordanson, you know, what really is the difference between Joe Jordanson and Nancy Pelosi? I mean, if you give me a magnifying glass at some, or even for that matter, Hayek, you give me a magnifying glass and you start, you, know, you have to look for differences here. Now, maybe the rhetoric's difference, but like um, you can't keep conceding words. I think that word's useful. Uh, I think that word's useful for a variety of reasons. Most importantly, because it is the flourishing, you know, good life. I think that's, is, or at least the ability or opportunity to do so here, I do think, you know, we still are a sort of libertarian podcast of some kind here, or, or in right libertarian in particular here. So you know, this is like the sort of limits, like what exactly things, things are the case here. And I think it's a blind spot for the libertarian left, like a Carson, um, like a Chomsky, as well as as well as well the sort of, welfare state left in general because their objections to slavery could also be rendered at the welfare state, which for the most part they advocate or certainly don't oppose. Um, so, like, as you said, your the, the objections to slavery are lame. They are lame. <laughs> I mean, that you can't run away. Like, the Walter Blockian thing is probably you know, that you can't run away and whether you can do the voluntary, like what are the aspects of it here? You know, that's, that to me is, that to me, you know, you you sort of outline that in in a more clear way here. Because the Marxists also want a kind of freedom too. But, you know, what exactly is it? You know, is it, you know, is it, is it the freedom of slavery here? So yeah, I've always been struck by Thaddeus Russell's argument because on one hand, it's a very, Highfalutin philosophical argument, but on the other hand, it's also a very practical argument here, because you, know, you know, like you know, if you if you tried to run a business and if you worked for a major corporation, um, you know, I've seen to some extent firsthand you know the virtues and vices of both of them. Now there is always this sort of structural argument that hangs over and hangs over here, like if things were made better, you know, it could be easier to open a business, or you know, if if central banks went away, or if um um various other things went away you know or if there were better reparations and this is opposed goes to who explains whom the leninist question type of thing um things could be made better here but like in this sense i think freedom shouldn't be entirely conceded and it has a practical benefit too because most people aren't trust fund babies in the full sense you know and they probably wouldn't listen to this podcast either um, so that, that would be my overall comment, like why I want to do it. I think Thaddeus Russell in this sense is an original thinker because you get it in parts, but I don't think those two chapters, I don't think you get, um, perfectly juxtaposed, so to speak here. Um, that would be my overall comments on Swift. and If you want to comment or just wrap it up, that'd be great. Thanks for doing it. I'm not saying
0: that, uh, freedom cannot be used coherently. It's just that it's rarely done, and I just think in general, it's easier to talk about specifics as to what you think should be the case rather than um, rather than try to pin your uh, position to a word. That That's all I'm saying. So, I mean, may, maybe I'm not the greatest marketer. I suppose the best thing to do would be to, to coin your own term, I suppose, and then it's more difficult to be misrepresented. But I I just get fed up with people hiding behind words. I'm not saying you're hiding behind words. It's just that um, it's um, it's something that's easily done, and especially with with freedom, I think that's that that's very much the case. And and and, we do, and as I say, it's not an obvious concept. But I, I I do really think when people use the term freedom, what they mean is basically a flourishing life, ultimately, um, in which there might be requirements for negative and positive freedoms in a certain sense, um, um, so.
1: Would you would you say that the obliga- Would you say the, the 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 objections to slavery also apply to the welfare state? Would you say that also applies? Oh, to a large extent,
0: um, yes. Um, in that um, you don't really have that kind of control um, that the slave does. Although uh, it is true that in the consumer sense that the the, the uh, UBO
1: no, you're not forced to work. You're not forced. Yes, no, that's yes. That's a big difference. But go But the other aspects of your life, I mean, in a sense, you're in some ways free, but in other ways, it's a, it's a form of unfreedom, you know, insofar as like, you can't really get out of that situation. It's sort of a trap in that sense. And, our, you know, that, that's, that's another message that Thaddeus Russell, you know, for all Thaddeus Russells, and this is one thing pointed out, Commonly that he's Russell is a private businessman at this point. He runs un- a university. I mean, he's a petite bourgeois person par excellence in a sense, but he complains about the fact that he has to like constantly market his shows and everything here. Um, And like, again, his critiques of Michael Brooks is like version of socialism, which might be a more participatory version or sort of like a grassroots. But then that goes, begs the question, like question two over like, can everybody do that? Does everybody want to do that? And you know, and you have, to, you have to sort of ask the question of like, why did the socialist revolution fail And, like I mean we have this sort of welfare state capitalism here. So that, that would be my that would be my point here. I think it's an interesting theory here. I think that's a practical output. But that, that sorry for interrupting you. But
0: yeah, I I, I think the, the main critique I'd say of UBI is the sense it's infantilizing. Uh, you are essentially a child. That's effectively what you can end up being under UBI. And that's the way I critique it, and then that's sort of I think one of the better critiques of um, of slavery, I would say. Um, so, and and then ultimately as well, I mean, if you did have like universal UBI, you would have to work, like you clearly would. I mean, there's no way that you're going to get enough people to work to generate enough resources so people don't work and can generate lots of income. Um so um on a small scale to some extent, yeah, maybe, but on a large scale, permanently, I think that highly unlikely. Um because it simply wouldn't be affordable. Um and then you'd have to have the situation of which Lenin said, you know, the man who shall not work shall not eat. Um which is ultimately what would happen, I think. Now, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at show at gmail.com. That's show at gmail.com.